Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast coming to you from the DNVR lounge, as you can see here. Um, a lot to talk about today, but first, shout out to Strava Craft Coffee. If you're feeling sleepy after watching that offensive performance from the Broncos, Strava Craft Coffee is where you should go because not only are you going to get that nice caffeine buzz that you crave, but it's CBD infused, so you're not going to get that jitteriness, although, you know, maybe the Broncos could use some jitteriness in their offense and also if you want this game used bat shoot me a dm andres Calaraga game used bat for sale i think a lot of people may want that bat right about now after watching that broncos game and the first person who wants it and enter he wants to enter a china shop with it <laughs> is joe flacco and you can't call him sleepy joe after what happened <laughs> after the game anymore ryan i mean honestly it was great to see some fire from him uh, for the first time all season. We see Joe Flacco express emotion. Yep. It was fantastic to see, but let's get to the heart of this. Essentially the Broncos go out there with the most conservative game plan. You could imagine as we kind of expected, Yep, that would always happen Not in, a in any game this year. Um, and they play on the conservative side of things. Would you say from start to finish? A hundred percent. A moment in the game where they got aggressive in any way? No, no, they did do a flea flicker. Uh, yeah, a flea flicker for seventeen yards. <laughs> and here's here's the thing that was really frustrating, and I think what the reason that kind of sunk into Joe Flacco was the Broncos scored thirteen points, and they said we're good, we're good, game over. We we got to 13. That's seven more than we had last week. And it's seven more than they had in the first half. And they had already decided that six was enough in the first half. <laughs> right. Exactly. So they go out there and, and let's just get to what Joe Flacco said. I'm going to give you the whole quote here um, because it's it's as spicy of a quote it as we've spicy. had in a long time here in Denver from Joe Flacco. I mean, come on. I just look at it like we're now a two and six football team and we're like afraid to go for it in a two minute drill, you know, like who cares if you give the ball back to the guys with a minute 40 left. They obviously got the field goal anyway. And he's talking about the first half here, I believe. Once again, we're two and six football team and it just feels like we're kind of afraid to lose the game. It's third and five at the end of the game. Who cares if they have a timeout there at the end or not? Getting in field goal range isn't that tough. And I'll get back to that later. <laughs> You're just putting your defense in these bad situations, and I just felt like, what do we have to lose? Why can't we be aggressive in some of these situations? That's kind of how I feel about a lot of the game today. Preach, Joe. Keep preaching. Keep preaching. But, okay, so it starts with the half. And we were sitting in here in the DNVR office, like, pounding our heads on the table as they got the ball with 2.21, I believe, was the time on the clock. Zach, two minutes and 21 seconds... It's a lot of time. And well, how many timeouts? Two? I think so. Yep. Two minutes and 21 seconds and two timeouts. What'd they do? They ran it 
all the way down to the two-minute warning, and then they ran it on the first play out of the two-minute warning, and then I think, did they throw it after that? I think so, once. So then they threw it after that, and we are sitting here like making jokes, you know, like, oh, six points, we're up 6-0, that's a win, let's just get the heck out of here and get to halftime, and what happens, they end up giving the Colts the ball back with around 40, 50 seconds? 57 seconds. With 57 seconds left, the Colts go down. They get a field goal. And uh, the Broncos lost by two points. Mm. So the Colts really needed those three points. They couldn't even effectively do the thing they wanted to do. Nope. Which was just go to half. And it was like they just didn't, they, they'd never had a plan. They, they went into that series saying, what do we want to do? I don't know. Let's go plan. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I mean, plan B. Oh, no, no. Back to plan A. Oh, maybe B. Oh, yeah, let's just punt. <sighs> and that's what we always talk about. Not, you know, if you're going to do something, just stick with it. I, I will say they did a pretty good job at just being ultra conservative today. And like you said, when they got to 13, they basically said, this should be a winning number. Let's sit on it from here on out. And you know what happened after they got to 13? Of course, after they opened up the second half with a great touchdown drive, went 75 yards for seven. Then they went punt, 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 strip sack, fumble, to end the game. Oh, God, that's even worse. <laughs> I just, so your take on what Joe had to say. I love it. And but, it's, but let's get deeper into this. It, it's a, it's a, he's 100% right. And at this point, Joe, I, I love how Joe Flacco emphasized it multiple times. They're two and six. What? What are you? Pl- what? Why are you afraid right now? If you're ever going to be aggressive, it's now. It's. I think Joe Flacco also understands what two and six means. That means you're done. You're dead. Now, John Elway wanted to convince himself if the Broncos were three and five after this game, that that you know they're still in it, and then if they get to four and five, oh, they're not just still in it. They're making a push for the playoffs. Now you're not. And you know what? John would have sold that. The Broncos wouldn't have traded anyone if they won this game. But now you cannot make that excuse anymore. You can't convince yourself of that. And that's what Joe's saying is, look, our season's over anyways. Why aren't we just doing these things to at least give ourselves a chance? And, like, again, I'm so on board with what he's having to say because the worst thing that can happen is you lose. (laughs) You tried to do the conservative, let's just not have bad things happen approach. And what happened? You lost. At least you feel like, don't you think you could sleep a little better tonight if you said, well, we lost, but at least we weren't scared. At least we went out there and played, you know, with our balls to the wall. At least we tried to win. Yes. Right? I mean. Well, I mean, obviously they were trying to win, but it's like, at least we played to win. Exactly. We, we made the calls to try to win the game instead of just sitting back and saying, Ah, we'd really like to not lose this game. It's and it's so easy to defend. Mm-hmm. If you throw the ball on that third and five there, at the end of the game, you can defend that so easily. Yep. Hey guys, you know we're trying to go win a football game. Heck, Frank Reich was able to defend it that they went for a fourth down last year in their own territory in overtime just because he didn't want to tie. He's like, yep. I I didn't want to play for the tie. Yep. That's defensible. It's mm-hmm. always defensible. When you were just trying to win the football game, mm-hmm. it's pretty indefensible, especially at two and five now, two and six, to just be like, well, you know, we were just, we were just doing what the numbers say or whatever. We're, you know, we were playing for field position, right? So Ryan and, and I told you right when it happened, they, um, the 
Colts elected to let the clock run down from 2.18 to 2 minutes to hit the 2-minute warning. Now, yes, they still would have ended up with a timeout if you weren't able to convert this. The Broncos should have run up to the line and run up and run a pass play, right? Snap the ball with two minutes and two seconds on the clock because the ball, the clock is already going to stop at the two minute warning. And so even if you're incomplete, it's not giving them a free stoppage. It's just, you know, whatever it's, it's what was going to happen anyway. You, it's one fifty-five on the clock. It goes to the two minute warning, but I'm I'm so with Joe in the fact that like what are we doing here? And then he adds in this at the very end. He says that's kind of how I feel about a lot of the game today. So Joe's not just calling out one poor play call. He's not just calling out two bad decisions that he disagrees with about being uh, not being aggressive. He's calling out the entire game plan. And you got to wonder, what, did he have no confidence going into this game in terms of knowing what was building up? I don't know, but what's crazy here is that Joe's comments are the ones that are going to go viral. But the and co- your tweet, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the the comments from the locker room were all very uniform. Mm-hmm. Um, and Philip Lindsay says Joe's right; we have to be more aggressive. But you know what? Another comment that really opened my eyes was what Cortland Sutton talking about Rock Yassine said bro couldn't guard me mm-hmm. how many uh targets did Cortland sutton finish this game with six targets am i right on that um pulling it up right yep. here yep he finished the game with six <laughs> targets for 72 yards now a couple of those ended in pass interferences so i think like an effective yardage he probably ended up with like 120 is that a yep. fair number you would yep. come up with how in the world if he feels like i don't even care if it's true if he feels that way keep going back to him because that's a confident guy out there that, you know, that is balling. He's a guy that had 24 yards per catch, but he only finished with 76 yards because you only got the ball to him. He only had three catches. And he felt like he couldn't be covered. And again, he was probably right because every time they threw the ball that way, something good happened. The only couple times that it didn't were drops. Yep. He had two drops. Yep. But other than that, I mean, you have to feed him the ball. You cross the 50, you throw it up. Those are the rules. Was it a first or a second down, or it was a first or second play of the drive uh, that the Broncos had? And Phil goes for either like seven yards or an eleven yard explosive run. Looked good. Uh, had the Colts defense on their heels, and then he's pulled, and then they hand it off to Royce Freeman, who I think runs into the back of a defender. And Phil wasn't tired. And I understand that the Broncos are going to split the carries between Royce and Phil. But come on, when a guy is fresh. He's coming off, you know, a defensive series. So he's fresh. He's explosive. He runs, and then you pull him off and hand it to someone else. Ride the hot hand. It isn't that the whole point of the committee is being able to do the hot hand and and, and not have to just rely on one guy to do everything, but use them to their strengths. And Phil was hot. There were so many questionable things today. Phil finishes the game with 14 carries for 59 yards. What's the average there? 4-2. Yep. Royce was at a 3-3. So, again, you want to ride the hot hand. You're right. The, the point of committee is you ride the hot hand, and they were they failed to do so. Um, what's your take? How do you feel right now uh, in relation to the Broncos in this game in particular? <sighs> Good? Okay, good. that's what I wanted to good, hear. Good, good, yeah. Good, good. I feel good. How do you feel? And it's weird. As the 
the <laughs> as the Colts were driving to at the end of the game, I found myself pulling for the field for them to to get the field goal. Because is it because what I said about John? If the Broncos win, they're three and five. They're right back in this it's thing. One thousand um, percent. Not because you just said that, but because of right. what I read in Mike Kliss's story earlier this week about Drew Locke, which was. You know, it was something along the lines like in the public eye, two and six seems like a foregone conclusion for the Broncos, but not inside the building where they can see the path to four and five. Blah, blah, blah. BS, BS, BS. Garbage, garbage, garbage. (laughs) Miss me with that entirely. And the like the whole like we can get back into this thing is almost embarrassing to me um, at this point. This team your offense is scoring less than 15 points per game. I mean, it was 15 going into the Chiefs game. They scored six. They scored 13 in this game. They're probably a re- that they almost they probably touched their average today. Yep, exactly. They're probably averaging about 13 points per game. And what's good about that? That you should be looking at changes everywhere, not just a potential rotating offensive tackles. Yeah, uh, but but again, so I just I want them to let go of the hope. Because it's silly. Should we do it? Say, sing it together. Let it go. Oh God! <laughs> uh, you guys have a question from the Periscope saying. Oh yeah. By the way, producer Allie is coming in with Periscope comments. Hello, Allie. Yes. She's Hello, still working everyone. on re- uh, recovering her voice from the Buffs game on Friday, which I respect. <laughs> the very sad Buffs game. Um, what are we cheering for the rest of the season? You're cheering for Drew one <laughs> one thing and one thing only, and that is Drew Locke. Drew Locke to play, honestly, in my mind, as soon as possible. Like we talked about on Friday's pod, there's never a perfect time to bring a guy in, especially a young quarterback. And look, you're not drafting young quarterbacks and bringing them in because you're on a great team and in a great system. No, there's never a good time. So he needs to get in as soon as possible. The earliest, just even being semi-realistic, the earliest is week 11 after the bye. We're not going to see him next week. And... I still think it's probably about week 13, that first home game after the bye. The only way a win can be of value to the Broncos is if it is orchestrated by Drew Locke. Once Drew's in, win. Keep Which, winning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what? either way, you know, if you if you win because you, you know, lose on an end of the game field goal like this, you don't, and you scored 24 points, which is damn near double their average right now, uh, then you feel great about it. Uh, so we've got CJ Castro 94 says, why does Flacco think it's okay to call out the coaches when he is just as much of the problem? And and I actually did mean to get to this because that's when I pointed to the <laughs> part of the quote in which Joe Flacco says, he says, and I quote, getting in field goal range isn't that tough. <laughs> that's a bit rich coming from a team that is averaging Almost, I'm just going to get, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt of 13 and a half points per game. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know how many times they were in field goal range today, Ryan? How many? Three. Three times. Field goal range. We're not talking about red zone. <laughs> we're not talking about in the end zone. Right now, uh, the 49ers are playing. There's a minute 45 left in the second quarter. First half. They have 27 points. That means they've got in the end zone three times, and they've had two field goals. If my math is correct, they've been in field goal range at least five times, and there's a minute left in the first half. There is very few people 
in the entire NFL who have had as much trouble getting into field goal range <laughs> as Joe Flacco and the Broncos. So yep. to uh to ZJ there, I ZJ Castro, I believe it was. I understand where you're coming from. Um, he certainly is the problem, but I think it's uh you know he can it can it can actually be both ways. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Joe Flacco can be bad and the decision making can be bad and here's the other thing we wanted to talk about everyone is pointing the finger at rich gangarello right now that is a a popular take on twitter right now and understandably so uh is rich gangarello gotta get rid of him move on blah 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 and again i get that the decisions that joe flacco specifically uh, is frustrated with here are Vic Fangio decisions. Mm. Rich Gangarello is not the one who says run the clock out at the end of the half. And Rich Gangarello is not the one who decides run or pass on third and five at the end. Exactly. That Those are big decisions. Those are big boy decisions. That's why Vic is on the sideline, so that he can make those decisions and communicate with Rich Gangarello that. Now, of course, he can do that in the booth as well. Um, but he's making those decisions. And uh, you're right, it is easy to put to poke the finger and, and point the finger at Rich Gangarello for these, but that's Vic. Rich Gangarello, in the end, calls the play. But the decision on what, the, what style of play they are going to call comes from Vic Fangio. Yep. And if it doesn't, it would be a very rare, rare case. And come on, Rich is a first, first-time offensive coordinator. I would be shocked if he's getting those calls. So Vic Fangio is the one who said sit on the ball at the end of the half, and Vic Fangio is the one who said run it on third and five there at the end. So while I haven't seen one, per- I actually haven't seen one person on Twitter point the finger at Fangio. Right. That is probably like I know Joe Flacco knows that. So Joe Flacco is pointing the finger at Vic Fangio. Yep. That's not good. <sighs> is it not good though? I mean, because. It's- it doesn't matter long term. Well, we hope that it doesn't matter long term because Joe Flacco is not the long term option for this team. But right now, to have so so you've got a power structure in most um, NFL teams. The power structure would go owner, GM, coach, quarterback. Yep. This is only a three man power structure here. You've got GM, coach, quarterback. Yep. You always. Always, if you're going to succeed, need to have all three of those guys on the same page. At the very worst, or at the sorry, at the very best here, they're two for three. And uh, and we have talked a lot on this podcast how we feel that Vic Fangio understands where this team is and where they need to go a lot better than John Elway. I don't think those two are on the same page. So the Broncos very well could be 0 for 3 in this category. They very well could be. And that... I think a report came out this weekend was saying maybe that's why Tom Brady wants to get out of New England, whether it's retirement, whether it's going to another team, is because he isn't, doesn't feel like he's on the exact same page with Robert Kraft and with Bill Belichick. And that's Tom Brady we're talking about. And that goes against everything I just said, that you can't have success without that, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm saying he wants to move on from a situation like that. Right, but what I'm saying is they've had the most success of any <laughs> NFL franchise ever over the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. So when you're that good, it's okay. Oh, okay. That's good to know. <laughs> um, yeah, this is for me in the short term, you really can't have your, your quarterback. I, I don't Have you ever seen this? Obviously we don't have our pulse on everything throughout the league, but I think quarterback calling out head coach or really even offensive coordinators pretty unheard of. 
What it comes down to, Ryan, is it's falling apart. And it's falling apart right in front of our eyes It, the last hour when the Broncos lost until right about now. Uh, not just these comments, and th- these comments are huge. They're very damning. Um, Vic's going to have to respond to them tomorrow. So Rich Gangarello is going to have to respond to them on Thursday. Joe Flacco is going to have to address them again on Wednesday. This is something that is not going away. It's going to continue to be brought up. Uh, and so that helps with everything falling apart. And then also you have uh, injuries to Juwan James. You have injuries to Jeff Hireman. You have Dalton Reisner leaving the locker room in a boot. It literally falling apart in every single way that it could be. You have guys talking about being traded, saying Von Miller talking about Chris Harris Jr. like Chris Harris Jr. has been traded already. And from everything I see, I don't think Chris has been traded yet. And I want to get to that uh, in the next segment. But you're right. It is... It does feel like um, the wheels just came off. Com- completely off. It does feel that way. Were, were we on a bike, tricycle, car? What 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 type of uh, eighteen? Oh, like wheeler? how many wheels were yeah. there in the first? Yeah, how place? many were there? <laughs> I think it was unicycle? like a, it was a unicycle. <laughs> oh, could you imagine the wheel falling off of a unicycle? I've seen an influx of just humans using unicycles over the last year or so. Let me guess. You've been in Boulder quite a bit the last year. (laughs) No, I used to only see them in Boulder. Yeah. Now I've just been seeing like regular people riding unicycles around. Have they been making their way from Boulder to Denver on their unicycle? And it's just taking a while because it's a long (laughs) trip on a unicycle? Could be. What? Please tell me what is the, what is gained from riding a unicycle? Especially. Is it a flex? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. But you go slower, you look wobblier, You, uh, especially the ones where you're like 15 feet up, <laughs> up in the air. I'm like, how's this dude going to well, get off? Well, now you're talking about like a circus artist. I don't, those people are like riding those around the streets of Denver. That's just what, when you said unicycle in Boulder, that's the only thing I can picture. Oh, like on Pearl Street, someone's like juggling, flaming <laughs> thing. No, I'm talking about just like casual use of unicycles. Wow. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet. It's a it's a trend. And then imagine when their wheels fall off, what it'll look like. The the wheel. The the, the wheel, wheel has fallen right. off. <laughs> All right. Well, if your wheels have fallen off, or maybe the opposite of that, your your wheels are in perfect condition and you want to celebrate such a thing, you should hit up Breckenridge Brewery. Mm. Uh the best beers in the world, in my opinion. And we talk a lot about different beers, and a lot of people think like, oh, as you go into the winter. You got to get away from some of those summer beers. I Generally, I'm just like a summer beer all the time type of person. Absolutely. So for me, Strawberry Sky season has not even come close to an end. It, it It's it's all year round. I am so happy. I was a little worried that it was just going to be a summer beer because of how good it was. But I am thrilled. I'm, Ryan, <laughs> we have some winter weather right now. I mean, we may be doing this podcast for... A couple days just straight because we may be snowed in here, freezing cold in here. But have you ever been snowed in in anything in your life? <sighs> My house, I think. I don't think so. I don't think. What about that snowstorm in, in like fifth grade? Oh, I do remember that yep, one. You're snowed in, but like by choice. By cho- what do you? What do you? Mean? Oh, because yeah, it was convenient not to leave. Right. You're like, well, yeah. All right, I'm snowed in. I can't go to school. So you're. I think you're jinxing us right here. I think we're going to go out and I be snowed in. guarantee you, I will eat my shoe for dinner if we're snowed in here tonight. And there's perfectly good Hot Pockets in the freezer. <laughs> and I will not eat a shoe if it goes the other way. That's fair. That's fair. Your shoe would... My shoe would be easier to eat than My yours. shoe would be more filling, I think. It's very true Probably as well. Probably more dangerous. Okay, you mentioned something there. 
uh, and we will get to a few more Periscope comments here in a second. But you mentioned something there that was it's getting swept under the rug because Joe Flacco like went off the rails. But asked about Chris Harris Jr. in the locker room and the pot, the potential of this being their last game together. Von Miller went into tears, tears, real tears. Mm-hmm. Does he know something? Or is he just in an emotional state because he missed the play at the end of the game and they had a frustrating loss? And then, you know, you pile those things up. It's Sunday. Everyone's always a little bit more emotional on Sundays. Vaughn's been different this year from an emotional standpoint. It has been very odd, especially, I mean, he did get on the sack board today, uh, has three sacks on the season. Now, certainly not what he envisions. He doesn't want six sacks in any season. So that throws him off. But then I think he understands the position this team is in right now in terms of it's going to be a while. And last week he said it when talking about the Emmanuel Sanders trade. He said, we're not in a very good place right now. And I want people here that want to be Broncos. Now, I don't think that he views Chris in the same light as Emmanuel in terms of not wanting to be a Bronco. But I think that he understands where this is going. And he hears everything that's out there. And he knows that Derek Wolf and Chris Harris Jr. could be on the move. By the way... Derek Wolf did wonders for his trade value today. Uh, strip sack, another sack on top of that, constant pressure. Mm-hmm. If they want to trade him, I'm sure there's a team out there that would take him. And Chris, I mean, I almost sent off a tweet. I, I ended up not sending it, but I was about to tweet in the first half of the game. It's weird that T.Y. Hilton wasn't on the injury report yet. He's not playing. And then right after yep. that, he had like an 18-yard catch on first and 20. But still, Chris Arias buried him for most of the game. The only time Two that catches. Yeah, the only time that he got was the one catch I just mentioned. And then when Von Miller missed a mm. very I don't know, I don't know if I want to call it easy because I don't think I could have done it, but a very uh easy for Von Miller standards game, probably game winning sack. And you know who else was there? Was Derek Wolf. Yep. He was right there. The two got uh tangled together. Man, <sighs> that play was brutal. You get that, game's over. Even if it's not a safety, game's over. Yeah, I think so too. When it wasn't going to be a safety because they're kind of like swinging him around out right. in front of the uh, in front of the the goal line there. But you're talking about then like first and eighteen, the clock is ticking. There's no timeout. Your receivers are on the other side of the fifty. They have to run back, get set up. They're going to be tired then. Yeah, and you can't, and you actually can't expect Chris to cover for that long. Like <laughs> right. we joke about Chris making excuses. That one, he actually has a decent case. Yeah, uh, he. No one can cover T.Y. Hilton for that long. No, you, you, you can't. So Chris's trade value has to be as good as it's ever going to be. Yep. Derek Wolf's trade value is as good as it's ever going to be. Ryan, what about Vaughn? I just don't think, I, I really don't think it's possible. But he actually played a good game. A really good game, actually. He did. Um, I'm and sure when Andre's grades come in this week, he'll be, uh, you know, an A minus or a B plus. And for the most part, that's how Vaughn's played. He does not have the sack numbers, but he's getting in the backfield. He was there multiple times. They, of course, got the half sack. Uh, very, very stout in the run game. I think for John Elway to trade Vaughn Miller, he would have to be blown out of the water. And I just don't think it's going to happen for a guy that's owed, that's in his 30s. And, you know, has a ton of money on his contract. It's dead money for the Broncos on top of that. There's a lot of, uh, you know, things that knock down the possibility of that. But it's certainly a possibility that Chris has played his last game here. Uh, What do you think the chances are uh, of the Broncos executing that trade in the next two days? Over 50%. 
seventy percent that that he's trading in the next few days. Why would John Elway say on our conference call the other day that no one has called about Chris Harris Jr. lately? Wouldn't you want the narrative to be that everyone is calling it about Chris Harris? That was a weird conference call. Yes, it was. It was interesting, and I have no idea. Yeah, wouldn't you want it to seem like there was a lot of interest? I would think so. Unless for some reason you're trying to convince Chris already, right now, that, oh my God. hey, bud, there's no interest for you. Don't even bother talking to other teams once free agency comes around. That's the best case I've heard yet. <laughs> That's the only thing I've heard that makes sense. Yeah. And how about and this? And we can only hope that John, that, <laughs> I don't know, like either way it was dumb. If you get a second round pick for Chris, are you taking it? In a heartbeat. It In a heartbeat. Yep. I'm not hanging up the phone until that deal is done. Third? Yep. Fourth? No. So that's where it is. Day two pick. Yep. Just give me something. Um, You could make the case that a fourth this year is the same value. Well, the trade value chart will tell you that a fourth this year, it will be the same value over time as a third next year and the end of the third next year. But uh, just for like, uh, what's the word? Optics. I don't think you can trade Chris Harris for a fourth round pick. I, I don't think you can either. You have to get at least the value of Emmanuel Sanders. And that's what's encouraging about getting that day two value is I think Chris is worth more than Emmanuel right now to a team. And you just got a third and a fourth for him. And in the locker room, Chris was asked about all the trade chatter. And he said, I'm not going to lie to you. It was the hardest week for me to focus. It was hard to play the game. But I got through it and, and thought I played solid. Sounds like a guy that thinks he's out the door. Yeah, and there was one team that if you want the Broncos to uh, to make a trade that you were rooting for today, and um, they're a team that I root for every week, uh, and it was the Eagles. They're the team that is competing for a division title. They have a lot of holes, um, but they went out and beat a really good Bills team on the road today, and they're probably feeling really good about themselves yep. right now. Yep, that's a really good point. When would you expect a trade to happen? Right around the deadline. Me too as well. On on Tuesday, early afternoon. Yep, that's probably when it will happen. Because uh, if you're John Elway, one of your weapons is the, the deadline itself. You right. know, you can... You, right now they can call and offer you a third and you can say, ah, it's going to take... You know, let me, uh, let me see what else is out there and I'll get back to you guys. Well, if there's 20 minutes left until the deadline, you say, look guys, you, your options are you get him for a second or you don't get him at all. Exactly. So if you are struggling wrapping your mind around all this, make sure you check out The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup and use the code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That's DNVR20 at the green solution and in the problem that is the broncos having to figure out what to do with chris harris the eagles are the green solution (laughs) all right we got any more questions over there uh, Allie? all right no questions to get to so ryan we talk about drew lock and i'm sure we'll talk about drew lock every single day this week and we'll probably be talking about how frustrating it is not seeing him out there on the practice field but there's one thing that happened today that could 
be legitimate reason to bring Drew Locke back, and not just legitimate reason to us, because we have plenty of legitimate reasons already, but to John Elway and to Vic Fangio, and that's because he just flat out may be needed. And Joe Flacco, boy, (laughs) you never want to see any player getting their head like cranked off mid-game by a (laughs) chiropractor, but especially your starting quarterback, right? Yeah, that was odd. Um, I wonder if that person charged him like $50 and told him that like his anxiety was because he had like his fourth meta parcel or whatever, like out of place. Um, But it was weird that he was getting chiropractic work on the sideline during the game. He said, you know, um, it's been sore for him for a week or so now. Um, He's been dealing with a strain in his neck for a couple of weeks. Maybe that's why he's not seeing the field so well. <laughs> can't turn, you know? You ever wake up and you can't really turn your head one way? Maybe he needs Strava Craft Cop. Well, he'd probably get in trouble for CBD. Uh, C- yeah. Well, no, CBD. No THC, but mm. there is some. there are some concerns by some players. Some players just say F it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have um, someone who's saying, why would we trade Harris? That's lunatic. Or Vaughn. <gasps> well... The- because you're not going to keep him. Right. The reason would be, do you believe that these guys will be on your team by the next time you're contending? And John Elway, just he can't see a full rebuild. So he can't say, he can't say, I can see, or I can't see Vaughn in my plans next time we're competing. Because Vaughn still has two years left on his deal. So, so John with Vaughn says, yes, Vaughn's going to be with us when we're competing next. But Chris... His contract's done after this year, and Chris is going to go get paid. And Vaughn knows, ex- or, or John knows exactly how far off the Broncos and Chris Harris Jr. are in long-term contract extension. So if you can go get something for him, instead of just having play on a two and six football team for eight more weeks before saying goodbye, you do that. Yeah, I understand from a fan perspective why it would be really hard to see Chris Harris Jr. go. But the question is, would you like to have a third-round pick in this year's draft to? maybe replenish your cornerback room or would you like to have a third round compensatory pick in the, not this year's draft the next year's draft after that and that's assuming that you don't sign very many free agents because everyone in these discussions always just assumes oh if, if they go it's a com- compensatory pick no 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 no. it matters on who goes yep. versus who comes so if you want the broncos to sign good free agents and you want the Broncos to uh, have you know a third-round pick next year, then it's a no-brainer for you to trade Chris. If you're just hoping the Broncos um, go you know six and ten instead of four and twelve this year, well then yes, you don't want to trade him. But what are it- you what are you doing if you're trying to win anymore this year? What are you doing? Now I understand if you trade Chris, the cornerback depth is going to be scary. It's going to be a very scary place to be. But who cares? Exactly. In the words of Joe Flacco, two different times after today's <laughs> game, who cares? He was using it in a different context, but I'm using it in this one. It's it's all, I mean, it's a lost season. It's a lost season. This is, a, I mean, we've never even been in this position. We don't, we've never, like, usually at this point, they're what? What were they last year? Through eight. They were, well, they were three and six. So they were three and five through eight. Okay. So this is, I mean, it feels way worse. It's only a little bit worse than they were off, they were off last year. And at three and five, John thought they were still in it. And, and technically they were. Who knows what was going to happen if Chris and Emmanuel didn't get hurt? 
It's, it's And now you might just willingly take them off the roster. Yep, exactly. And Ryan, you said we're kind of in uncharted territory. Well, we're in very uncharted territory. How, what? We talked last year about how it was going to be the first time in four decades that the Broncos had back-to-back losing seasons. Well, now they're looking at back-to-back-to-back losing seasons, and it's the second time, or it's only the third time in the past 36 years the Broncos have started two and six. Not one. Not <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, it's it's ugly. And for the one thousandth time that we've said this, they have to embrace the rebuild. And that starts over the next two days. You gotta look yourself in the mirror if you're John Elway and say, "Am I trying to win a few more games this year, or am I trying to win more games next year?" Like, that's my hope here is that, is that John Elway, I know that he thinks they can w- turn this thing around in one season. He always feels that way. So my hope is that he thinks, okay, well, for me to be able to do that as best as I can, I need to accumulate draft capital for next season. Right. Because this is no longer, this isn't talking about trading Von Miller, who who will be here next year if you don't sign him. This is talking about trading guys who will not be here. Chris Harris, I mean... Let's try to remember where we were during these Chris Harris Jr. negotiations in which John Elway inexplicably just handed him a bunch of money. Uh, the The idea was that this is the last year. Mm-hmm. Everyone felt that way. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to have him by all accounts. There's no reason to hang on to him for the rest of this year. Exactly. So, Ryan... You will very likely be playing the two and five Cleveland Browns at home next week. Probably a lot of brown or orange, orange, orange yeah, brown <laughs> in the stand. So yeah, it may blend in a little bit for uh, the Broncos' benefit. But if you lose that game, then you're two and seven going into your bye week. But you'll be too late to make these moves. You have to make these moves by Tuesday. So who will not be on the field for the Broncos next week that was on the field for them this week? I think it's probably just going to end up being um, just Chris. Uh, because I don't feel the same way about Derek Wolf that it's over for him in Denver. I actually think he would sell a, you know, you could sell him a three-year, $10 million deal and he'll stick around. Do you think because Derek wants to be in Denver so bad and wants to retire a Bronco so bad, and after the game he said, I, I, I maintain I want to retire a Bronco, but I also want to win. So kind of he's opening the door to being welcome to being traded, but also saying he's, he's okay if he stays. What do you think of trading him, getting a fourth-round pick back, mm, which I never I thought this. I was going love to say. Love this take, love this take. And his contract's done after this year. So then you say, Derek... Come back. Come join us. Here's that same. You know what? We'll do three million or three years, eleven million dollars now. Great take. <laughs> um, I've always wondered why the teams don't do this more. Yeah. Have a little under the table agreement. Yep. Say, hey, Derek, we're gonna let you go chase a ring this year. Mm. Just come back for us next year. And that's how you phrase it to him. We want you to win this year, man. Yep. The problem is, if you have a girl who you like quite a bit. And you know that you want to ask her to marry you. Are you going to, 
you know, maybe Do I don't you have know. some issues going on that you need to let her go win for a <laughs> but while. That's what I'm saying is you, you're having some problems with the relationship. Instead of seeking therapy, you just say, hey, why don't you go date another guy for three months? Just come back afterwards. And you know that you're imperfect. Right. Are you taking the risk that she really loves that other guy? Absolutely not. No way. Ryan, Ryan I thought you would go for the bachelor bachelorette analysis there. How, how Bring it in. Go let your girl or your guy. Go oh, on go the on the date for oh. the season, oh. the publicity, what he, what he or she could do. Knowing you, I thought that's where you were going. That's <laughs> a good one, and we've seen that unfold. We have. Well, and here's the other one that you could bring it back to the Bachelor when they kind of have a thing with someone, and then they always ask like, "How would you feel if I got asked on the date when the new person comes in?" And sometimes they're like, "Oh, you should do it," and that's the sign right. of like. Yep. I don't think this is going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. You, you, if you want Derek Wolf back, I don't know if you want to take the risk that he goes and gets to taste winning again and says, "Oh God, I never want to go back there again." So then, if you're John Elway, you have to say, "What's more important to me, Derek Wolf for the next three years on a good deal or a fourth round pick?" Yeah, uh, and that's uh, it's a it's a tougher decision. Just as much as better trade value today, it also makes it a tougher decision for John. Derek Wolf's playing the best football over the last few weeks that he has probably since the Super Bowl run. Yep. So that makes it a lot harder. So John has to decide, does he want to get married or does he want to go have some fun? (laughs) (laughs) We have some Periscope questions. Okay, what do we got? (laughs) All right. um, Michael B. from Broncos Euro says, do you guys not think that Flacco's restructure on his contract was unacceptable? Very poor management decisions. They won't embrace rebuild. Great question. Uh, and here is the thing that is being missed in this whole Joe Flacco situation. By opening up $13 million of cap space this year and then adding $13 million guaranteed next year, the Broncos did give themselves flexibility to make a move. Now, as they have become sellers and the season has gone awry, maybe they don't make that move. It still could be used for such a thing as like re-signing Justin Simmons. But let's just live in a world where they do nothing with the money. And and on the surface, that sounds infuriating. (laughs) They just gave Joe Flacco $13 million guaranteed next year and did nothing with it. Yep. If that happens, it's like it never happened. Right. Because the Broncos roll over that $13 million into their cap next year, and you just use it to cancel out the guarantees if you wanted to move on from Joe Flacco. It feels different. It feels like something. there was some exchange there, or you gave $13 million guaranteed that you didn't have to. When all reality, it's a complete wash and it never happened. Because the money that you saved this year and that you owe him next year, you just roll that savings into next year. And then the money that the dead money that he has is covered up by the savings that you rolled into next year. And that that's how it's a wash. It's just it looks bad because a lot of fans and pretty much everyone thinks that the Broncos made a terrible decision by doing that. Not necessarily. It just looks bad. And then it'll look really bad on the dead cap money if they cut him next year. Because they they have, they lead, they're really close to leading the league in dead cap. That's only going to add to that. Yeah, but it's funny because it it looks like a terrible move when in reality, it's actually kind of a secret genius move. Right. I mean, especially if you do sign a good player up for the long term. Right. And then it'll actually go back to being a bad move in the eyes of the people because then you actually will have to pay him that money next year that didn't right. roll over. Yep. But in the end, it's it's not as bad as it looks. Yep. All right. We got one more from Pinfall. Wrap up 
he says, do you think Elway might bring in Shanahan for help with his GM duties? Shanahan had a history of good drafts. 2006 was probably his best one. Mm, no. Um, <laughs> one, Mike Shanahan, that GM was the downfall of Mike Shanahan, the head coach right. in Denver. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, I think John actually really wanted him to be his head coach. I definitely don't think he wants him as a GM. GM help on the table would be interesting. I have a hard time imagining John Elway giving up power, but I would, you know, I would be intrigued by the Adam Peters idea, which we've talked about before. I would too. It's if you bring in a Mike Shanahan, he's your GM. He's making decisions. And I just, I don't see John Elway staying with the organization, but giving up that power. Why would, why would John Elway like invite arguments and that sort of thing into his life? And here's the thing is people may say, well, Something needs to change with the front office. And yeah, something probably will change. But instead of him taking the blame on himself, he's going to say, no, Matt Russell, I'm moving on from you. Or some other uh, guys in his inner circle, I'm moving on from you. Because then, you know, without saying it, John's saying, guys, it was their problem, not mine. And I am doing something to change this because you're right. Four and 12 isn't good enough, but it was his fault. Anything else? Nope. Here's a a uh, tweet from our guy Zach by he says make sure you're sitting down for this one Broncos country the Broncos have now gone more than a full season 17 games and a full calendar year without scoring more than 24 points in a football game nearly half of the NFL averages 24 points or more a game. remember Zach, we are in Whatever the opposite of the dead ball era is, yep. that's what the live ball era. Yep. <laughs> we are in the off, like we are in the era of offense. All of the rules are slanted towards the offense. You know, teams are putting up ridiculous numbers every week. It's supposed to be easy for the offense, and the Broncos have now gone more than a whole season of games without scoring more than twenty-four points. So you know what is just so offensive about that is that the Broncos got to 13 points, and they said, we good, we good, we yep. did it. We we did it. We eclipsed half of what we haven't done yet. You know what makes that 13-point uh, number magical, though? Mm, because we're geniuses. You, uh, it's, it's actually, like, if we were trying to get it right, it's actually stupid that all of us po- chose the exact same <laughs> number for the Broncos to score this week, yet you, Mace, and I... Each predicted the Broncos to score exactly 13 points this week. That sometimes we know what we're talking about. <laughs> Next week, how can how can you predict the Broncos to score more than 13 points? And after the Broncos scored six points last week, and after they traded their best player on offense, I thought I'm stupid for picking them to choose to score more than six points. How can I do that? And then I thought, well, come on. I mean, 13. We've got to score 13, right? And but nothing more. How can how can we predict predict them to score more than 13 next week? I don't know. I mean, the Browns aren't as good as either of these last two teams that they've played. But yeah, I That's mean, true. remember last year after you took Emmanuel Sanders out of the offense, they became anemic, mm-hmm. completely and utterly anemic. Today actually felt better than some of those games, and they scored 13 points. So. uh That'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. Fry Jared says, do you all agree with Flacco on not being aggressive? Yeah, we kind of got to that early in the show. Um, But yeah, of course. 
I mean, what do you have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Especially when your second half, yeah, you score a touchdown, but then you go six straight punts. Okay, five straight punts and a strip sack fumble to end the game. Crazy. I mean, it's not like what you were doing being conservative was working. No. And again, that Cortland Sutton matchup, that's the one that just, that's the one that they should lose sleep over tonight. Yep. I'm not losing sleep over it. But <laughs> people who are in charge of this should be losing sleep over the fact that they got Cortland Sutton three catches in a game where the dude guarding him couldn't hold his jock. Worst, worst case, you throw the ball up to him and Rocky Sin just has another penalty. Right. And so maybe it's not Cortland getting on the stat sheet, but you're getting the yards regardless. You should keep, you, they should have kept going to him until yeah, Rocky Sin could defend it without it being a drop or a penalty. Until he would have stopped sinning. Yep. Anything else? All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for what? What are you trying to tell me, Zach? No, uh, another segment. For the segment. Yeah. yeah, that's what I, yeah. Oh, I oh, yeah. thought you were telling me I was going crazy or something. <laughs> uh, shout out to uh, Drift Car Sharing, who can help you make some money while you're traveling. Um, it's a pretty sweet setup. You take your car, you park for free at the airport. While you're gone, they rent your car out, and you make money off of that. Then, when you come back, they give you a full cleaning. It was insured by Allstate the whole time, so you came back with more money, a cleaner car, and you parked for free. It's a perfect scenario. So check out drivedrift.com. That is drivedrift.com. Sounds pretty darn good. And what else was pretty darn good was the defense. They were pretty darn good through most of the game, Ryan, up until the final drive of the first half when the Colts went down and got a field goal. The Broncos defense have given up 78 yards of offense. In pretty much in a full half. Now, they ended the half giving up 130 yards of offense to the Colts, and they only held them to 15 points. You should win 95% of the games that you hold the team to 15 points. Uh, yeah, but I mean, even Vic Fangio said after the game something along the lines of, we don't score very many points. Like, you should, but things are different in the world of the Broncos. Yeah. Like, they're up 6-0 towards the end of the first half. They have dominated the first half. They dominated the first half. Yep. And yet they were a touchdown away from being down. You know? Like look at the 49ers right now. They dominated the first half. They're up 27 to 11 and and it's only 11 because the 49ers just scored or the Panthers just scored here in the third quarter. So they went in 20 27 to 3 or something along 27 to 6, something along those lines. That's what you're supposed to do when you dominate. But their offense is so bad that they're never, they can never uh, blow a team out. They can never capitalize on the fact that their defense is putting the absolute clamps. They were hardly out there, the Colts' offense. And Brissett was completely out of rhythm. He never had a chance to get into rhythm because he was never on the field. They couldn't get anything going. But when you don't step on a team's throat, you're just inviting them to have one drive that gets it going for them. And that's what happened. Do you think this could be a reason why John says, you know what? I know we're not winning this year, but look at how good the defense is looking. And Vic's defense is coming together. So, you know what? I will go pay Chris Harris at the end of this season. I'm going to lock up Derek Wolf after this season at, at, you know, a fair price. And Von Miller, no way is he not part of our future plans. So, you know what? We're not going to trade any of these guys. We're going to keep them all here because this defense is starting to become the defense that I envisioned when I hired Vic Fangio. That's fine with me, honestly. Uh, but it all is contingent 
on Chris Harris Jr. If you can get Chris, then I'm fine with, you know, proverbially kicking the can down the road with this defense because they are still really good. You have a winning defense. Like, very unequivocally, you have a winning defense. If mm-hmm. you had a... I'm going to find the the lowest possible word I can use here. And I think respectable is too good. Okay. If you had a offense that was less than awful, just slightly less than awful, you have a winning team right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I can get behind that, but it, it's all it, it all hinges on Chris, and I don't think Chris wants to come back. Yeah, I don't I don't either. And the question would be: Are would you be willing to pay him fifteen million dollars for three years? Would that get it done? 15 for 45 yep oh god that's so much money <laughs> would you do it um knowing where this team is at finishing right now ryan they are on pace cover your ears broncos fans they're on pace to finish four and 12 worse than the vance joseph era <laughs> yep um it's really hard to wrap my head around this because there are teams that can turn things around quickly i think the broncos are further away from that I think it's a two-year process if they embrace it, which means that you know you'd be pulling for the last year of Chris's deal being the year that it all comes together. I think it's worth it to have a player that that's that's that good. But remember, if you know if history tells us anything, that last year, which would probably be the first year that you have a real chance of contending again, if you did everything right on that way, it would also be the year that Chris is at his worst. Because right. he's at his oldest. Right. So when you mix all of that stuff together, it just seems to make sense that I don't think Chris is going to resign here anyway. I don't think they're going to pay him what they think, what he thinks he deserves, which he will get on the open market from a team that is competing, such as the Colts. Yep. Who just watched their, you know, young corner without their main corner get abused today mm-hmm. by a guy who struggled to be a number one receiver last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have all sorts of cap space. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone, someone out there is going to give him the money that he believes he deserves. I don't think it's going to be the Broncos, and for that reason, I think you're best off trading him. If you could do this deal, I'll probably say keep the good player on the team. But the deal seems far fetched in the first place. And you can't do the deal in the middle of the season. That's something that they negotiated when they gave him gave him the three million. Why was there a negotiation in, in, a, in a gift? <laughs> someone gives you a gift and you're like whoa let's talk about this are you sure that's all you want to give me unbelievable we've never even have we ever even gotten an answer from john elway on what the point of that was no i need to to remind myself to ask that at the next opportunity yeah crazy stuff it is it is, and that's where the Broncos are. And Ryan, I think what what's what's important is to to say when we talk about all this trade stuff, especially for fans, because they get emotional and they don't want to see Von Miller leave. They don't want to see Emmanuel Sanders leave. They don't want to see Chris leave. Understandably, because, because, exactly, very understandably, because they love him. And when we say all of this about up, oh, just get rid of him, trade him, get a second round pick back, it's with the understanding. That Chris Harris Jr., he's coming back here right after he retires, and he's going up in the ring of fame. He's an all-time great Bronco, and he leaves on good terms with the Broncos. He's happy because the Broncos aren't sending him to Miami for a second-round pick. They're sending him 
to New England. They're sending him to San Francisco. They're sending him to a winning team. And so he's happy by that. And he'll he'll love to come back when he's retired. He's won a Super Bowl here. He's done so many great things with the Broncos. So it's it's a good thing because it also helps the Broncos win in the future and get away from 4-12. and 12. Uh, I say this at the risk of you singing something. <laughs> Isn't there a song lyric? If you love me, let me go. I'm sure there is. I wish I knew the song or I'd be singing right now. I think that's a song lyric. Maybe if it's a poem. You love me, let me go. That's the one. It had like an 80s ballad feel to it. I like that. So that's the thing. Was you, that actually it? Did I, I nail know. it? I have oh, no okay. idea. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but like, here's the thing. Uh, I bet Emmanuel Sanders is having a great day today. He's feeling really good today. He already has a touchdown catch. His team's rolling. You should want that for those players you love. Right about it, as much as you want it, it just puts a knot in your stomach, twists the knife when you find out that Emmanuel Sanders scored his first touchdown with the 49ers on their first possession. So he's being used a lot. They're having success. He's happy. Right at the same time, Joe Flacco was strip sacked and the game was over. I thought this really was going to be turned on its head when Joe Flacco was injured there. I thought that's what was going to happen. Ah, it turned on its head. Yes. Uh, so I, I, I was like, oh, God, here we go. We're going to have to see Brandon Allen next week. <laughs> yep. All right. I've got a question for you guys. Zach Ann Horn says, who do you see the Broncos drafting? Justin Herbert, offensive line, or an explosive receiver? <sighs> oh, better not be a receiver. Although they could certainly use it when, uh, was it Fred Brown is your number two receiver this week? <laughs> yeah, I think receiver is very much on the table. The thing about receiver is this class is stacked LaVisca Chenault Ryan I mean <laughs> what's crazy is that um there was a scout quoted this week put, giving him a third round grade LaVisca because of the injuries wow so if you uh, and let I'll me just say this third I'll take him in this <laughs> if LaVisca Chenault is there for you in the second round and you don't take him you're idiotic so what what my point is here though is there is so much wide receiver talent that you could probably get a really good player. You could have had Terry McLaurin in the third last year, and that wasn't even a stacked wide receiver class. Probably get a really good player in the second. As for the quarterbacks, I want to talk a lot about this this week because I did my homework on Joe Burrow, and I watched good. all... Eh, that's why I'm excited <laughs> to have this conversation because he did look good, but there's a big caveat to why he looked good. Um, I watched all of them. I watched Hertz. I watched Herbert. I watched... Burrow, who else is up there? Tua didn't play, which you would never know from looking at the scoreboard. Um, <laughs> who else is in that conversation? Who am um, I forgetting? I mean, those are the big ones. Okay, well, I watched all of them, and I have a take that I will debut this week. I can't wait to hear it. I um, have a feeling I know where it's going. Yeah, you probably do. So I don't, I don't know. I don't think I, I can't. I'm going to spoil my take. <laughs> stop! Stop! Anyways. I think there's a lot of places the Broncos could go. This is why we need to see Drew Locke. We have to. And and we can't answer this question right now because there's a 100% answer for you. If we if Drew Locke's not the guy, quarterback, 100%. Don't even look at any other positions. All of your scouts should be focused on just quarterbacks. If Drew Locke is the guy, then of those three options that, that you presented, Zach, I like offensive tackle. you were talking to yourself for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like offensive tackle right now because Ryan, why don't you just do the same formula that you did last year? But instead of going defensive line in the first round, go offensive line in the first round, then wide receiver in the second. How's that looking right now? 
Looks good. It does. Except for Noah Fant <laughs> is kind of struggling to get involved. Uh, not last, like uh, two years ago Brad, oh, okay. with going Bradley Chubb and Cortland Sutton. Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. Second round wide receivers can be really successful. I would keep that in mind. Um, there's so much talent. It's it's absurd. Yep. So if you can get a 98 wide receiver in the first round, or you can get a 93 in the second round, but you can get a 98 offensive lineman in the first round to pair with that 93 in the second round, I do that in a heartbeat. Any more questions? Nope. All right. Stay tuned this week for my grand quarterback take that uh, I believe in wholeheartedly after watching all these guys for multiple times at Joe Burrow for the first time. Uh, Thanks for tuning in with us on the live stream tonight. A weird time to be a Broncos fan and I sympathize with you guys because there's not like a right answer to anything that's going on right now. Uh, But keep riding with us because we'll keep having fun with it uh, regardless of what happens and we will talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. But I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.